Hey everyone, this is Brian with Church in the Loop. I'm really glad that we're together looking at Mark chapter 8 today, verses 22 through 26. Let's pray and get started. Jump straight in. Lord, we thank you so much for this day of life that you've given us. Every day we have is a gift from you. Uh, you are so generous to us, and by giving us this new day of life, we have an opportunity to experience your love, your grace, your mercy, to grow in your truth, to spread your compassion to those around us, to be agents of the kingdom, to lives that are broken and hurting all around us. And I thank you that you use us as vessels of mercy in a world that does not know mercy. And help us, Lord Jesus, to live that out in ways that are beautiful in your eyes. And it's in your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. I don't know about you guys, but certain places for me bring back Kind of certain memories. Um, for instance, my when I was growing up, I moved a lot as a kid. Uh, by the time I graduated from high school, I moved 13 times. So I never really stayed in one place very long. So I have memories of growing up in lots of different places. But one of my favorite places as a child was my grandparents' house, where my grand, grandmother, grandpa, and their daughter, who is my aunt, lived. Uh, and it was in near Erie, Pennsylvania. And I have memories of being up there in snow and skiing in the snow with them and riding snowmobiles. I have memories of us in summertime up there, uh, me playing in the creek behind the, uh, the cow pasture, which was behind the house. And, and just in the area, the yard, driving a go-kart around in the yard and cutting the grass. And I just have a lot of great memories in that place. Um, it was kind of for me as a child in a very upbringing that was very tumultuous and, and always changing and I had divorced parents. It was kind of that sanctuary of peace. It was that safe place for me and my sister growing up, which really breaks my heart that now that place, my aunt is having to downsize and, and she's having to sell it. Um, my grandparents have passed away and and so, unfortunately, the, the house will no longer stay in the family. I, I sure wish it could because it just has so many good memories for me. But I want us to look at a passage in the Bible where Jesus heals a man. And he takes them outside the village. He takes this guy to, a, I think it's a special place to bring the healing. And for the rest of this guy's life, that place would have a special meaning where Jesus took him outside the village to heal him. Because that was the place where he got a second chance. That was the place where Jesus gave him a new lease on life. And I think there's meaning in that for us. And so what I want to do is look at this story together and look at ways in which perhaps Jesus also wants to bring his healing to your life and possibly work in the same kind of way. You know, I don't think it's a one-size-fits-all on how Jesus works. Um, I think Jesus loves to tailor his ministry and his, his uh, love in different ways to different people. And so what he does in your life may be somewhat different than what he does in mine. Now his ultimate goal is the same. He wants us to become like him. He wants us to be agents of the kingdom where wherever we go, we're spreading his love and compassion. So it's not like his goals are different, but the road to get there sometimes I think can be very different for each person. So we're going to look at this story, 
see this person's road that Jesus led him down and just start asking some questions and making some observations. And maybe, maybe the Spirit will speak to your heart about how you're encountering this Jesus in the same way. So that's, that's kind of where I'm going with this. So let's talk about this story in Mark chapter 8, verse 22 through 26. Um, before we read it, let me just give you some background. So Jesus is really in the middle of his ministry. Um, he is, obviously, he's got a following. He's got his disciples. Um, and a lot of other people are very interested in what he's doing. Wherever he goes, he seems to be popular, and people seem to be excited that he's there. But also, he's got some resistance. There's also people that feel threatened by him and what he's doing. And they, he's, you know, the status quo is, is being um, kind of threatened. And so... Wherever Jesus goes, there's there's always some friction, um, which is good to remember for us that following Jesus is not about just having a nice peachy life. Uh, sometimes it it'll have parts of that, and sometimes it's going to be really there's going to be friction because you're following Jesus. You're going to have to make some tough choices at times that may cost you friendships, and it may cost you even jobs and job security, that kind of thing. So. Or even worse. Um, so this is a story, I think, that can apply to each of us as we look at it together and dive into what the Lord would say to us. Um, it's in a fish, fishing village. It's I'm not really sure how to pronounce it, to be honest, and it doesn't really matter, but it's it's Bethsaida uh, is kind of how I pronounce it, but I could be wrong in that. But it's a fishing village on the Sea of Galilee. Now, I've never been there. Um, I would love to go one day and see all this, uh, maybe. But um, it's just a little village. But it was kind of significant because the very first disciple that Jesus had was Andrew. And Andrew was from this little fishing, fishing village. And he got his brother Peter, uh, his Simon, who Jesus changed his name to Peter. So they were from this fishing village. And Philip, another one of the disciples, was from this town. So... Um, when Jesus heals this man, they probably knew who he was. Um, there was probably already some kind of connection um, between the early disciples and this guy. They, they, he was probably a friend. Um, because back in those days, you knew every, everybody knew everybody, and everybody knew everybody's business. So um, I'm sure there's some kind of connection that we don't, that the scriptures don't really spell out, but there's more to this story. Also, John the Baptist first started preaching in this area about how people should turn and believe in Jesus. So this is a very strategic area um, and significant and in a special place. Um, you could say that there's a lot of meaning going on in this story before we even get to the story. Okay, So let's read it and then let's see some ways in which Jesus operates in this story. And hopefully we'll see how he's operating possibly in your life and mine too. It says, they came to Bethsaida. Some people brought a blind man to him and begged him to touch him. Uh, they were literally begging him. It, was, um, it wasn't a one-time ask. It was a continual, please, please, please. And they were doing it as a group. So whoever this man is, we don't know. We don't know his name. Um, but again, I'm, I'm sure there's more to the story. I'm sure the disciples, Philip, Peter... Andrew, I'm sure they, they probably knew who this guy was. Now, maybe that was a good thing. Maybe it wasn't. Um, maybe it was somebody they didn't want to see healed. Um, but this guy needed healing. And that really brings up a good point. Everyone needs healing, whether we like them or not. Um, maybe this guy was a friend. 
Maybe he was an enemy of these disciples. But either way, he needed the healing touch of Jesus. And so we need to remember that everyone needs the healing touch of Jesus. No one walking on the earth, no one alive is exempt from that need. Just as much as we need oxygen and food and water, we need the healing touch of Jesus. Every person you need, meet, every stranger you come across, somehow needs the healing touch of Jesus. So we all have that in common. So it's important to remember. So it says, uh, he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the village. Now there's a frame in this story. Um, so at the beginning of the story, Jesus is taking this guy out of the village. And then after he heals him, he tells him, don't go back into the village. So there's definitely more to this story. Why? I mean, I, I don't think Jesus was just being random and saying that. There was obviously some kind of purpose that we don't know and we don't, we're, we're just not clued in on. But the first thing that I want you guys to see in the story is this. Jesus wants to take you personally by the hand to new specific places. He has a plan for your life. He has. I don't believe that Jesus just has a hands-off attitude towards your life. Here he had a hands-on attitude. He took the man by the hand. Jesus wants to take you by the hand. Now the question is, do we want to take him by the hand? And I know there's times in my life where I've done that, and there's times I'm like, no, I want to do my own thing, which always ends in the wrong place, in trouble. But Jesus took this man by the hand. Jesus touched this man. He, as, as a Jewish rabbi, taking a blind man by the hand, that was, to us we read it, it's no big deal. But when you go back in time, and you put yourself in this story and in that culture and that setting, this is a huge deal. Because the understanding of that day was this man who's blind is unclean. God has judged him for a reason. There's a reason why he's blind. He obviously made God mad. And God did this as punishment. So stay away. Don't go near him unless you want that same kind of punishment in your life too. So here's Jesus saying, you know what? I'm going to take him by the hand. And I think that's really cool. Because that just shows the love and mercy of God. That we deserve God's judgment. We deserve God's wrath. We deserve God's punishment for our sin. We all have sin. We all have brokenness. And yet Jesus, as our Savior, takes us by the hand. He's not afraid to touch you, your life. That's pretty cool. When everyone else might be, he's not. He takes you by the hand. Will you take him by the hand? So let's read on. It says, He took him by the hand and led him out of the village. And when he had put saliva on his eyes and laid his hands on him, he asked him, Can you see anything? Now, back in Bible days, they believed that saliva had healing properties to it. You know, what's the first thing you do when you cut your finger? You put it in your mouth. <laughs> um, so there was this belief that saliva had some kind of healing property to it. So Jesus is not trying to be gross here. He's, 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 he's speaking in a way. He's doing something that promotes healing. 
that they would understand as healing as well. And he asked them, can you see anything? And the man looked up and said, I can see people, but they look like trees walking. Then Jesus laid his hands on his eyes again, and he looked intently, and his sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly. So the second thing that I want you to see from this story is that sometimes healing is a process. Um, we must be patient with the Lord. This man was first touched by Jesus, and Jesus, in his wisdom and in his understanding of the situation and what he wanted to accomplish, did a partial healing, and it was like a process. Now, we don't know the time gap. Um, did Jesus go off to pray for an hour and say, hey, wait here, I'll be back? And then Jesus came back, and then an hour later? Or was it instantaneously? You know, okay, let's do this, and 10 seconds later, he did it again. We don't know. And I think the Bible leaves that question kind of open for a reason. Because there's times in your life where God's going to initiate healing in a certain area that you need. And it's good. It's a good start. But we are not completely healed yet. And we must be patient for the second part. We must be patient for the rest of the healing to come. And God is trying to teach us trust in those moments. He's trying to ask us, will you trust in my wisdom for your life? And will you be patient with me? Now, as we learn to be patient with God in our lives, that reminds us, guess who else we need to be patient with? Well, first, we need to be patient with ourselves. It takes time to grow. It takes time to get stronger. It's kind of like if you go to the gym and you don't see improvements like you want within a week or two, you don't quit. You just keep doing it. But then eventually, those improvements start coming. Okay, so we have to trust the process. But also, it reminds us that God is working in other people's lives too, often in a process as well. And we need to be patient with other people. Sometimes we have things with other people that we wish could be healed right away, and they're not. And that shows that sometimes they're just a process too. And they're going through growth too. And they're going through this time of trying to figure things out too. And we just need to be patient as God is working in their life. So maybe there's people around you that you need to be patient with. God is working. Pray for them. And pray to be patient with them. And love them. Love them towards on their journey as they grow in the Lord. Love them in that direction. Encourage that direction in their lives. Support that direction. And also do that with yourself. Because the truth of the matter is, Jesus is working on you and me too. We're not done. We're not sinless. We still struggle. And He still wants to accomplish things in you, but you've got to grow to that level for those things to happen. So be patient with yourself. And then the other thing I want you to see from this story is... So Jesus takes this man outside the village, and he heals him. And now it says the man can see everything clearly. Jesus wants to give you eyes to see as he sees. Now, I, I don't know what the story was on this. There's a lot we don't know. Um, and if you were a, a movie producer making a movie, and this was one of the, scene, one of the scenes you're going to film... You, there's a lot of room here for artistic liberty. Um, was this a boyhood 
playground for this kid, kind of like my aunt's house was uh, up in Pennsylvania. You know, that I, I can literally go to that property and every corner of it has a special warm, fuzzy place in my heart because, oh, I remember sitting there with my grandfather. I remember us getting on the motorcycle right there. I remember walking in the door and how it smelled. I remember playing ping pong in the basement. I remember riding the snowmobile around the house. I remember riding the go-kart around the house. I remember playing with crawdads in the creek behind the cow pasture. I remember, you know, I can look, literally look. I remember where the strawberries used to grow on the hill. I remember playing baseball there. You know, it's like I can, I can look at every part of that yard and there's a memory attached to it. Every single part. Maybe this place was that this, this man, that Jesus took him there because he wanted to reconnect him with feeling special. And he wanted to remind him that he, Jesus is the key to those warm and fuzzies, that Jesus is what's going to complete that in your life. Or maybe, maybe Jesus was trying to remind him, hey, I'm going to establish a new place, a safe place for you. You're always going to remember this lonely, deserted place outside of town as a special place because this is where you and I were when I healed you. Now, another thing too is maybe, maybe this place had a view of the village because Jesus gives him directions about the village from here. And maybe he looked at the village and pointed to it. And behind that, you could see the Sea of Galilee. Maybe this was up on a hill. We don't know. There's so much room here for, for imagination. But the point is, Jesus wants him to see clearly because he, he restored his sight, the man saw clearly, and he referred to the village that now the man can see. So either way, Jesus wants to give you eyes to see. But I think there's a, a specialness in this story of get your vision off to the side with just Jesus. And I, I think maybe that is one of the life lessons here is get away from the hustle and noise and bustle of life in the city and, and just somehow find a secluded corner somewhere to just be with Jesus and get some perspective. One of the biggest challenges we have in life, and I know I do it too, is we get busy, especially this thing called a, you know being an adult is hard. You have responsibilities, people depend on you, and sometimes it's easy to just be so buried by all the responsibility that you lose perspective. And I think this is a story where Jesus is also reminding us, get away, figure it out, but get away. Quiet your heart, quiet your mind, get with Jesus to get perspective. And practice that regularly. What's neat about this is, I, I don't know where the man went from here. You know, maybe Jesus didn't want him to go into the village because maybe there were just, that, that village represented a bad history for that guy, and Jesus wanted to write a new history somewhere else. I, I don't know the politics. I don't know. There's, there's more to this than we know. But what we do know is that Jesus wanted him to see things the way he saw. And that Jesus gave him the eyes to see in a secluded place. So 
find those times of seclusion with Jesus. Um, we call sometimes we call it having a daily quiet time. It's it's hard, um, but have those moments with the Lord. Um, you know, one thing that the Lord has worked with me on, and and I'm getting better at it, but it's a challenge. It's a fight. Is when I first wake up in the morning and I start my day. One of the first things that, you know, the habit is you grab your phone because that's my alarm clock and I turn off the alarm and I want to just instantly start looking at all my notifications, you know, and social media, all that, and just kind of reconnect my heart and my mind with everything else, kind of tap in. And one thing that I have purposely started doing, and I've noticed it helps me, um, is instead of doing that, I first reach for the scriptures. And I just spend a few quality moments in the scriptures. I mean, again, I, I'm, I struggle in the morning because I'm half, half awake, half asleep. But I reach for the scriptures first. And put my mind in the scripture first. And then I touch my phone. And it's just that one little thing has made a difference for me in how I start my day. And how I feel connected to the Lord. Because I reached for Him first instead of the world. And so I, I just want to encourage you, even a little thing like that, which sounds kind of silly, for me makes a big difference. Find out what works for you, because Jesus wants to give you eyes to see, but often you have to go off to a secluded place to get that. And figure it out, figure it out for yourself what that, what that looks like for you. As we wrap up this story today, let me just ask you a question. Where are you in this story? Um... Are you in the beginning where you just feel kind of totally blind? You need Jesus. You need his eyesight. You need him to restore your eyesight and give you new eyes. But you just feel blind. He can do that. He wants to do that. He wants to take you by the hand and do that. That's what I love about the story is Jesus didn't just heal this guy. He could have just spoken to him. said, I, I deem new eyes for you. And all of a sudden, boom, the guy has new eyes. And never touch him. But instead, he took him by the hand and walked with him. Now, there's another thing that I want to point out on that. When rabbis would have disciples in Bible days, the disciples would follow them wherever they went. But if they really wanted to teach them something special, they would grab them by the hand and say, come walk with me. And so it would not be uncommon to see two guys like a rabbi and one of his students, holding hands, walking down the street. And you knew, don't interrupt them. They're in a deep conversation about something. And that was kind of like putting a note on the door, a do not disturb, we're talking, when they, were, they hold those hands together. And it was the rabbi's way of saying, I really want you to listen to me right now. I'm really trying to teach you something special. And that's really cool because that's what Jesus wants to do with me and you. He doesn't want to just throw advice our way or even throw healing our way. He always wants to be intimate first because that's the true treasure with Jesus is intimacy with him. Not what he does for you, but who he is for you. Now, it makes me sad um, that my aunt is having to sell her house and downsize. I totally get it. I mean, sometimes we, we just have to do that in life. I, I just I wish that house could stay in our family. I would love to somehow, you know, 
keep it in the family and go to it, but it's so far away. I live in Chicago. She's in Pennsylvania. It's, you know, it's a good eight hours away. You know, it's just, it's just not, not practical to even try to keep it in the family. So we're going to let it go. And in letting it go, there's going to be a young family that's, they've already bought it and they're, they're about to move in and they've got a couple kids. They're going to make their own memories there. But here's the lesson in this, is Jesus wants to make new memories with you. My aunt's going to have a new place to live. It's time for us to build new memories there. The old ones served a purpose, but now it's time to live new. And that's what Jesus wants to do with us, is he has new memories that he wants to do with you. The old ones served a purpose, but he wants to take you by the hand and write new ones every day. Will you take him by the hand and hold on for the most amazing ride of your life? Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much that you want to take us by the hand. I pray that you would. Forgive us for the times we pull away. Forgive us for the times that we don't even want you to hold our hand, that we want to go in a different direction. I pray that, Jesus, you would not let us go, but that you would gently pull us back on course with you. And help us to walk with you in trust and surrender, knowing that it's your eyes that we need most. Not ours, but yours. And help us to see others with patience and love, knowing that you're working in their life too, just as you're working in ours. And for the, for the person who's struggling and they feel completely blind, I pray that right now would be their moment to say, Jesus, take me by the hand and heal me. Heal my blind heart and give me eyes to see as you do so that I can see God the Father in his love and grace for me and his holiness and then I can see others as created in his image who need your love and care because of their brokenness and to be reminded that Jesus wants to take their hands too and it's in your name we pray thank you Jesus for dying on a cross for our sins so that we can have this opportunity with you